The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Joining me now is uh, Tony O'Brien, who, of course, is the former Director General at the HSE, and uh, Robert Watt, who is Secretary General um, at the Department of Health and. Um, was before the Oireachtas Health Committee today and he was talking about uh, some of the failings uh, or pinch points, however you want to describe them, uh, within the health service. He talked about infrastructural deficits. He talked about contracts and consultants' contracts and the need for that issue to be addressed. And he talked about technological challenges and shortcomings as well. Tony, you're very, very welcome uh, to the show. Um, did you agree largely with what Robert Watt had to say about those shortcomings? Well, I certainly agree with what he had to say about technology. Uh, our health system is one of the least digitally enabled health systems in the whole of Europe. And it's the European Commission that says that, not just me. And obviously, if you look at any industry that has coped with you know, trying to trim costs, increase productivity and so on, any industry at all, in the last decade, you'll see evidence of digital enablement uh, making that happen. But the Irish Health Service hasn't really been invested in from that point of view is far behind most other health services. And that does impact its efficiency. And it also affects other things like, you know, the democratization of health, patients' access to their own records. And it affects patient safety when we don't have medical medicine reconciliation systems operating between the different parts of the health service. So I think I think he's right. There is a problem there. And it is part of the, the reason why our health system is under so much pressure. And why have previous attempts to solve that problem failed? People will remember PPARS, uh, the system, 18 years ago. Was it 2005? This was going well, to uh, uh, kind of solve some of this. Well, PPARS was supposed to be a payroll system, and it wasn't. It was done under the days of the health board, so it predates the HSE, mm. and it kind of got out of control as a project. And what it has done, I think, is left a kind of a bad taste in in the mouths of those at central government level who would need to make decisions to enable investment in e-health in infrastructure. And what we're talking about now is very far removed from the type of thing that was envisaged in PPARS, which is just a payroll system. Important to have those, of course, you've got to pay people. Yeah. But they don't, tra- they don't transform the way healthcare is delivered. And the world of digital technology and health has moved forward leaps and bounds in the last 20 years. But our utilization of it hasn't really. There was a very good public uh, pu- government policy published in 2013, which set the way forward. But here we are 10 years later, and we don't even have a single national individual health identifier deployed, which enables each of us to be tracked across our interactions with the healthcare system. And if you could do that, mm. it would lead to great efficiency. For example, when you know one of the, one of the reports from the, the, the Mental Health Commission around problems in one part of the health system in CAMS, pointed out that it was difficult for people working in that system to truly understand their waiting lists because they didn't have a digital system for capturing and tracking the waiting list. This is a really basic level of technology that our health service doesn't have and hasn't been invested in to have. If we want it to get better and we want it to be contemporary, ultimately we have to invest in those systems. And what are the challenges then today in terms of rolling that out? We can kind of pour over the codes and relitigate the past all we want, but you know, not to kind of yeah. uh, kind of rely on a cliche here for the sake of a conversation. But we are where we are. How do we improve the situation? Quite straightforwardly, we have to invest in contemporary digital health systems. One of the advantages we have is we haven't got a whole lot of stuff that we have to rip out and replace because there hasn't been in that investment in a long period. There are islands of digitization in the healthcare system and where we have them, 
they work quite well. For example, the system that tracks the issuing of medical cards, tracks the drugs payment scheme, works really, really well. Uh, and the fact that that does work well proves that these systems can be developed and can be uh, successfully delivered in the healthcare system. But unfortunately, it ain't free. None of the other industries that I referred to did it for nothing. And at the moment, um, as a country, uh, we haven't shown willing to invest mm. in those systems. And until we do, we won't really get the kind of efficiency that we need. Uh, I I know you're not going to be able to give us an exact uh, a figure that would be kind of worthy of uh, a kind of going out to tender or anything. But but listen, you, you, you worked in the system long enough. Ballpark, what would you be looking at from government to, to, to get this type of digital system up and running? Well, it wouldn't be done quickly. So we're not talking about a one-time cost, but a cost that would be occurred over a number of years. You're certainly talking well in excess of a billion euros over a multi-year period. And and indeed, the Slauncher Care policy and proposal has at its cornerstone the need to digitally enable the healthcare system so that, for example, when you integrate care on a regional basis, as a patient moves from general practice through pharmacy, through community health services into the acute sector, maybe going on to long-term care, that they have a single record that passes with them all the way through. That also enables the system to understand more appropriately the needs of its or the population it's trying to serve in individual areas. And that will actually help government to plan its allocation of resources more effectively. So there are a whole lot of a whole lot of benefits. So I know I know Robert had a lot more to say than just about digital, but I think he absolutely hit the nail on the head. We yeah. talked about our failure to digitally enable our health system. Uh, and, you know, people love to talk about uh, efficiencies or rather the lack of and inefficiencies in the HSE and, and people uh, who are kind of support the government's decision not to increase significantly the budget for the, the, the health service in 2024 yeah. point to this. I, I mean, it strikes me that this is the type of thing that kind of for a, an upfront fee, and I appreciate that's not kind of a one-off upfront fee, it would be uh, spread out over a number of years, but for that fee, you might actually find some of these elusive efficiencies, wouldn't you? I think I think you would. And for example, we, we hear you know, government ministers in the last week and a half, uh, as they have explained or justified their decision, have pointed to the fact that the HSE doesn't actually have real-time financial information. It, it's 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 running about two months in arrears. What, why why is that? Because the process of approval to give the HSE such a financial system has been so slow. Before the HSE was ever created, one of the reports that talked about creating it said it shouldn't be created without a single national financial management system. And today, it still doesn't have one. So that's why uh, people running the HSE are having to look in the rearview mirror. And so where things go wrong in terms of spend versus budget, they don't know for a period of weeks. It's already happened. It's not a prospective financial system. So you know, if you design a system in a way that it's going to have certain problems, it's, it's, it's a bit rich to then kick that system for having those problems. Um, and, and there's a reality. You know, We can argue about how efficient or not it should be. Uh, relative to the 15 countries we compare ourselves to, we're in 11th place in terms of our investment in healthcare. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's, a, that's an important fact. The system is having to treat a lot more people than it used to do, and is doing that quite well, but not in a way that it's enab- enabling it to make a big dent in the waiting list. Unfortunately, so there are there are a number of challenges, and you know, healthcare is a resource intensive business. I think Bernard Gloucester said today at the committee that its electricity bills, like everybody else's, have gone up by 85%. Its food bills have gone up by 85%. And what's happened this year isn't about the long term investment; it's simply about What's it going to cost to do in 2024 what the system had to do in 2023, taking account of inflation? And it would appear they've got those numbers wrong. 
Um, so, so that's part of the challenge that they have to deal with next year. And you can't make two billion euros worth of efficiencies in a single year. And this is why another mm. reason why we should have longer term financial planning for the HSE. The last two governments have committed to funding the HSE on a three year rolling basis, and yet we're still here doing it year on year. And some of the changes you need to make in health can't be delivered within one year because it's far too complex. Tony O'Brien is spot on in his summations as one of our listeners. A massive problem with the lack of investment in digital health and an insistence on keeping everything paper-based. No foresight whatsoever from those in power. Tony O'Brien is the former boss at the HSE. Tony, thank you very much for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.